I'm excited about being in church this morning, as I am every Sunday. And uh, for those of you who are just joining us, who haven't uh, been here for the last few weeks, um, we are currently looking at a series uh, titled Faith Under Fire. And uh, it's a great series, and we've had some amazing messages uh, leading into this week. And, and uh, the thing I love about this series, for me personally, is it's kind of like this series has kind of taken me back to Sunday school. Because like, last week we looked at Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. The week before we looked at Joseph. And we're looking at all these stories that the kids out in Sunday school and that are learning right now. And so there are, there are stories that, uh, you know, as Christians and as believers, uh, we've heard about for so long and so often. And today I'm going to bring a story and I'm going to look at a story that many of you may not have heard of before. Uh, but we're looking at a story about these two guys named David and Goliath. Has anyone heard that story? <laughs> and um, who? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's so easy for us. And I speak from my personal uh, viewpoint to when we hear that we're looking at David and Goliath to be like, oh, I've heard this story a thousand times. And uh, I know what happens. I know what's. I know what, uh, what it's all about. I know who wins and everything like that. And it's easy for us uh, to switch off. And, and I know that. And if that was your response when I said David and Goliath, I can't blame you because when I uh, found out I was talking about David and Goliath, I kind of had the same response. I was like, how is it that I'm going to bring something fresh and something new out of this story for the church? Everyone at church would have heard this story a thousand times. People who don't go to church know about David and Goliath and know the story of David and Goliath. And I'm thinking to myself, how am I going to bring something new and something fresh out of this story for the church? But let's never think that God is done speaking through any part of his word. God's never done speaking through his word. There is something new for us in his word every time we open the Bible. It is the living word of God. And so I never want to look at a story in the Bible and I never want to look at any part of the Bible and think God is done with that, that I've got everything out of that because God is moving and, uh, and in true God fashion, he opened up to my eyes to this passage in a way that I have never thought about it. And, uh, and the way that has challenged me and inspired me this week. And as I speak today and as I speak every Sunday when I speak here at North Lakes, I speak from what God has shown me this week and what God has challenged me with this week. And uh, I believe that what God has shown me through this story of David and Goliath this week, that if I put this into practice in my everyday life, will change my life and will help me to live a better, fuller, blessed life. And so what I'm going to bring to you today is what I have learned and what God has shown me and what God has opened up my eyes to. And uh, I've titled this message today, My Faith Was Built For This. My Faith Was Built For This. The Bible says, and you would have heard this one too, that in, the world, in this world we will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So we're going to face the fire. Faith in the fire is going to be a real thing in our lives. It doesn't matter how good our life is, doesn't matter how good we are as people, doesn't matter how 
close we are to the perfect Christian or the perfect person, the Bible promises us that we are going to face trouble. That we will face trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. So how is it that we can get to a place where in the middle of the fire, in the middle of what we're going through, instead of letting our faith crumble, instead of it letting that fire be the thing that destroys us, what can we do to be able to stand in the midst of that when our faith is in the fire and stand there and say, you know what? No, my faith was built for this moment. I will not let this crumble my faith. I will let it strengthen my faith and I will make it through this, not just making it through it, but coming out the other side better than what I was when I walked through it. And I think David is a perfect example of this when we look at him and Goliath. David stood in the face to face in the battle and said, you know what? My faith was built for this moment. I've trained for this moment. And so I don't have to run. I can face Goliath and I can face the battle. We're going to pick up in 1 Samuel 17, chapter 4. And now we're going to rip through this. One thing I did also learn this week, I didn't learn it this week, but it takes me ages to actually read through the Bible. And so I'm just going to kind of like paraphrase a little bit. I'm going to skip over a few things because if I just read the story, I think it would take me the whole time of the message to actually get through that. And so we're going to pick it up at verse 4. Obviously, we see that the Israelite army are based on one side, on the hill on one side, and then on the other side of the valley, we have the Philistine army. And, um, and they are getting ready to go to war. And verse 4 says, A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armour of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. That's about close to 60 kilos. I did say I started to go back to the gym, but I still can't lift 60 kilos yet. So uh, we're going to get there but definitely couldn't wear 60 kilos of armour. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung across his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Glass stood up and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why, did, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the, all the Israelite soldiers were dismayed and terrified. Now David was the son of Jesse, and uh, Jesse had eight sons, and the three eldest sons uh, went, went out to battle and David stayed behind and he went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep and, at Bethlehem. Verse 16, for 40 days and the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Now Jesse said to his son David, take this ephah of roasted grain and, ten, and these 10 loaves of bread of your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. 
They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock in his care of, um, of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left these things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the men, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David asked the man standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is the uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying. This is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Elab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down here only to watch the battle. David said, now what have I done? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And for the men answered him before, as before. When David said, was, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You were not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior at war from his youth. You know what? I'm so happy when I stop in this moment. I'm so happy that Saul's attitude, Saul's first attitude, and his first response is not the end of this story. You're not able to go out, you're too young. You're not old enough. You're not mature enough. You haven't, you're not a soldier. You can't go out into battle. And if that was the end of this story, we wouldn't have seen what God did next. Church, never, never look at someone who is wanting to go into battle with you and say to them, no, you can't because you're too young. And never accept that from someone either. Now, the Bible says, let no one despise you for your youth. But set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. That's in 1 Timothy 4.12. As I was reading that, let no one despise you for your youth. Sometimes it's not just the age factor that we look at. But we look at how long have you been a Christian? How young are you in your faith journey? How young are you in your walk with God? And we say, well, you're not... You're not mature enough in your faith, so you can't do that. The other day I was talking to a friend of mine, and he said, oh, I'm going to this church, and it's not about, I don't want to point fingers or anything like that, it's not what I'm doing. But he said, I've got to, I want to play in the band. And he said, I've got to audition. 
to play. And something in me there just broke. And I'm like, why are we making people feel like they can't serve because of how long they've been a Christian or how young they are or how good they are? Or how old they are. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I don't want to be that church. Because I've got to say this. A new Christian is a dangerous Christian to the enemy. They're closer to God than some Christians that have been walking with him their whole life. They're switched on to the voice of God. They're hearing it for the first time. They're alert to it. And so as Saul says to David, you can't go out, you're too young. Let's not be like that, church. Let's not look at people and say, you can't stand next to me and fight when I'm fighting. You can't stand and fight with me because you, don't, you haven't been here long enough. Let's let, let's let people fight, no matter their age, no matter how young in their faith they are. Let's fight together. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and it rescued from the sheep. So he just explains to him, hey, I've done this. I've, I've tended my father's sheep. I've protected my father's flock from bears and lions and all this. And he's just explaining to Saul that he can do it. He said, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armour on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream and put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag. And with this, his sling in his hand approached the Philistine. Now we know where the story goes from here. He approaches the Philistine. Goliath is embarrassed that he has come out to fight him. He feels dishonored and mocked that David, a young boy, would come and fight him. And we know that and if you haven't heard the story, I encourage you to go to 1 Samuel 17 and read this story. But for the sake of time, I'm going to tell you the ending. I'm going to ruin it for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> David picks up these five smooth stones and, uh, and he says to, he says to um, the Philistine, he says, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And following that, he slings this smooth stone into the forehead of Goliath, and Goliath collapses forward and, uh, and dies. And David wins the battle, David and Goliath. And you know what I love about this, what stood out to me, and I want to draw your attention to this as well, because I believe that it, this impacted me. This David that we read about is the same David who would go on to commit adultery, to commit murder. He would go on to, to sin. And I think to myself, if, he was, if God knew all that, he was going to go and do all of this and be like this person. He could have stopped all that on this day. He could have made sure David didn't do any of that. But God didn't do that. 
God allowed David to have the victory, even though he knew what he was going to do in the future. And as I read that, I felt to encourage you today that despite what you've done, despite what you're going to do, God has a victory for you today. And God wants you to win today. So often we just think that like we, we have this idea of, of God and, and it's not necessary. Some of us, we don't because we, we have been following faith. And I'm not saying that everyone thinks like this in this room, but out in the world, this is such a, a, like a, a way of thinking, a worldview that God is like just judging us, pointing down us. He doesn't want us to win. He doesn't want us to have victories because we're bad and because we've done the wrong thing. Right here, Jesus is saying, I know what David's going to do in the future, but still I'll let him take the victory today. Still I'll let him win today. He can have this moment. And so don't let what you've done or what you think you're going to do make you believe that God doesn't want you to win today. God doesn't want you to have victory today. All right, moving on. How can we stand in the middle of the fire and say, my faith was built for this. The first thing that I want to point out to you is this. David knew who he, was, who he was fighting for was greater than who he was fighting against. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Church, do you believe that we serve and we fight for a great God? In Romans 8.31, it says that if God is for us, then who can be against us? And that verse is probably the most, one of the most tattooed verses in all of history. And it's one of these verses that, that so often we just hear and we go, yeah, if God is for us, then who can be against us? I've heard that a thousand times as well. And we let it become this verse that just becomes like this cliche thing. This cliche verse that people say, and, you know, yeah, I know, if God is for us, then who can be against us? But when we think about the truth of that verse and the weight of that verse, the creator of the heavens and the earth, if God is for us, then who can be against us? Let's not make that verse just this run-of-the-mill cliche verse that we say and we don't listen to and we don't believe. Let's believe that, church. And, and I'm saying this because this is what I was challenged with this week. As someone who's walked with the Lord for, for all my life, I've let these things, I've let these verses, I've let these things in the Bible just become like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God will work all things together for good for those who love Him. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, but to give you a future and a hope. And it's like we let these verses sometimes go in one ear and out the other. But church, these are foundational verses that we can build our faith on. Let's not let these verses just become things that we say willy-nilly. Let's stand in the middle of the fire. We can stand in the middle of the fight and declare, if God is for me, then who can come against me? David knew this. David declared this. He said, this to, to, he said it to Goliath. 
He said, you can come against me, but I know that who I stand here fighting for is greater than you. So I'm not going to run like the other soldiers did. I'm not going to run like the trained soldiers, the main soldiers of Israel. I'm going to stand here and I'm going to fight. Church, we can be as confident as David was that the God that we are in the middle of the fight with, who's standing next to us, fighting for us and fighting with us, is greater than what you are fighting against right now. You might not fight against it right now. It might be in the future. But we can be confident that he is greater than anything that you are facing or we will face. And it's this confidence that David had in his knowledge that, that allowed him to have a composure to him that none of the other soldiers had. We see it multiple times in this story that it says, whenever the, Israelites, whenever the Israelite army and King Saul saw the man, they fled from him in great fear. Now, there's a lot of people, a lot of soldiers who are fleeing, who are running. And, and I can only imagine that that scene right there is very chaotic. And they're scrambling, trying to get back from Goliath. And we see this composure, this sense of calmness in David. And I want to just take a couple of minutes to look at this word composure. Because it stood out to me and it impacted me and it was something that I resonated with. And this is the thing that I believe if I can wrap my head around and I can practice in my day-to-day walk is going to help me live a better life and be a better example of who Jesus is to those around me. This composure. Because it's this composure and this sense of calmness that we see a lot in these great faith stories in the Bible. We look at David, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Jesus. And the list goes on. But I want to just look at a few of those examples right now. And I want to look at the composure that, they saw, that, that we see when they were facing the fire, when they were in the midst of a battle, when they were in the midst of a challenge. What did David say? The soldiers fleed. The soldiers ran back. David stood at the king and he said, let no one lose heart on account of this man. Your servant will go out and fight him. What did Daniel do? Daniel. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, this law meant that for 30 days you could not pray or ask anyone but that king at the time for anything. You could not pray to anyone else but this king. Daniel, you couldn't pray to God. You could only pray to him. What did Daniel do? He went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he always had done, giving thanks to God. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego told that if you don't do this, you're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. What did they do? If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you that your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. One of the greatest examples of this composure that we see in the Bible is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
when the soldiers come to get him. And they grab him and, and what does Simon Peter do? He pulls out his sword and he chops the ear off of the soldier. And Jesus says, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he picks and he, and he heals the man's ear right in that moment. There's this sense of composure to these, to these characters in the Bible, to these people. And how in the midst of this fire, in the midst of the battle, did they keep this calmness? this composure about them. It's because they were walking close with God and had a full faith that God was in control. And even though what was happening around them went against what they knew was right, they didn't let that cause them to act chaotically and lose all sense of calm and composure. It says in Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you so that you can fly off the handle and lose all sense of self-control. It's the Joel version. (laughs) No, it says, The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Moses is saying this to the Israelites as they're about to cross the Red Sea. They've got the Egyptians on their tail. The Egyptians are coming after him. And Moses says, Hey, the Lord will fight for you so that you can hold your peace. So that even in the midst of this fight, even in the midst of this battle, you can have peace. That you can be composed. And I think as Christians and as a representation of Jesus in this world, so often it's easy for us to, as soon as we face the fire, we lose all sense of composure and we fly off the handle. We see it all the time. YouTube clip after YouTube clip. We see Christians coming against people that they don't agree with people that are living a different way to them. And instead of being calm and composed, instead of being like Jesus, they're angry. They're yelling. They're making the person feel bad. And it's like, let's not be like that. We, have, we, we, we believe that God is in control. God has that person in the, in the palm of his hand. It's not up to us to save that person. It's up to Jesus. It's up to us to be the representation of who Jesus is to that person. Let's remain composed. As we finish up, we've only got a couple more minutes left. Psalm 37, 8. Calm your anger and abandon wrath. Don't be angry. It only leads to evil. Proverbs 15, 18, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the slow to anger calms a dispute. Don't let what is in front of you affect the way you represent Jesus to those around you. Last thing that I want to look at. And I know we're coming close to 11, we're coming close to the end, and if you've got commitments and you need to go, you can leave, but I just want to make this point. You fight with what you've trained with. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armour on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. He says, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. 
You imagine this guy is going into battle against a giant who is full, fully protected by armour. He has weapons on him. And David is offered all of this. David's offered the protection, the same protection that Goliath has. He's offered armour. He's offered weapons. And his response is, I can't go into battle with this because I'm not used to it. It's not what I've trained with. And so often, church, we build our faith with worship. We build our faith with prayer. And we build our faith with the Word. And then as soon as we go into a fight, we try and pick something else up to fight with. If you've trained with worship, fight with worship. If you've trained and you've prepared with prayer, fight in prayer. If we look at Daniel, when the law was passed down that he could not pray to God, that he had to pray to the king, what was his response? His response wasn't to go onto the corner of the street with banners and signs and protest and say, you're wrong. I'm going to fight. I'm going to scream. I'm going to yell. I'm going to write a Facebook post making people feel bad about themselves. That wasn't his response. His response was to go up into his room and pray because that's what he did. That's what he fought with. That's what he trained with. So when he was in the battle, he went to prayer. He didn't pick up the sword. He didn't pick up the armour. Church, we don't protect ourselves with what the world protects themselves with. And we sure as anything don't fight with what the world fights with. We fight with what we've trained with. We fight with what we've built our faith with. And this is a great example right here. I love this. Church, if you're facing it today and in the future, and your faith is in the fire, don't turn and pick up something that you've never fought with before. You're not going to be able to do it. Fight with what we know. Fight with what God tells us we have access to. Fight with Him. Don't fight with Him. Fight alongside Him. So we're going to have just a moment. Like I said, you're more than welcome to go if you have to. But if that's you, and you think to yourself, you know what, I'm in the fire, or I have been, or I'm going to be, and, and I've lost in this moment, I've lost this composure, I've lost the composure that comes from Jesus. I've lost the calmness. I've lost the stillness of walking with Him. I'm getting angry. I'm getting frustrated. Letting that get the better of me. When I'm in the middle of it, I, I go to these other things and I pick up these other things and, and what the world tells me to fight with is what I've been fighting with and it just doesn't work. My encouragement and my challenge for you this morning is drop all of that stuff just like David did I'm so happy that he said I don't need that stuff I don't fight what I don't, I'm not protected by what you protect me with I'm, I don't fight with what you give me I'm protected by my Lord and Saviour and if He is for me then who can come against me and I'll fight with the weapons that He has given me 
and that I've built my faith around. So we're just going to take a couple minutes between you and God. Go into battle. know that in you there is a peace and a calmness and a composure that we can have in the midst of the fire. And as we represent you, Jesus, to this world, may we keep that peace. May we keep that love. Lord God, and may we just have the daily reminder that we don't fight these battles. We don't fight through these fires with what the world tells us to fight with. We fight with what you have given us access to. We fight with prayer. We fight with worship. Lord Jesus, we love you. Walk with us this week, Jesus.